Thanks for listening. The following audio is a teaching from Calvary Tucson's Young Adult Ministry, Ignition. For more teachings, information, or if you'd like to support our ministry, please visit us online at ignitiontucson.com. We pray you're blessed by the message. Hey guys, good evening. Um, I am super excited about tonight. Uh, We are starting a new series. Uh, We're going to be, if you haven't looked at the screen up there, we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians. I know we've been in, oh I say we, I haven't been here, you guys have been in Genesis for like two years. So I'm sure it's pretty sweet getting into the NT. So we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians for the next few weeks, and our study is called The Return of the King. Oh yeah, Lord of the Rings, and just I am. So I would definitely call myself a Lord of the Rings nerd, but but hey, but but not not in the way that some of you guys are Lord of the Rings nerds. Um, so I'm not like the kind of Lord of the Rings nerd that like reads the books. I'm more of like watch the extended versions like 50 times and know all the lines to the movies and buy all the action figures and have buckets full of Lord of the Rings action figures. Um, but love Lord of the Rings, man. That's, that's going to be good. Anyways, uh, I'm, super, I'm super stoked to be here and, and to, to lead you guys in this Bible study. So like we've talked about, we're going to go verse by verse, chapter uh, by chapter through the, ber- through the book sorry, of 1 Thessalonians. And before we get started, I just want to pray again and just invite the Holy Spirit here. And, uh, so let's pray. Oh, Father, God, we, we come into your presence right now. Lord, we are just so um, incredibly thankful for the space that you've given us. We're so incredibly thankful for your word. Um, God, you are so good. You are so um, awesome and holy and glorious. And we're so um, humbled at the fact that we get to come into your presence, Father, that you speak to us, that you love us, that you've chosen us. And so, God, we just dedicate this time to you. We ask that you would just be in our midst, Father, that you would soften our hearts, God, that you would speak to us, that we would be encouraged tonight, that we would be challenged tonight, um, Father, and that at the end of the night that we would know you just a little bit more, Father. And yeah, God, so we just give this time to you and just ask that anything that's on our heart or on our mind right now that, that isn't of you, God, that, that we would just cast those things aside, Father, and that we would just um, give you all of our attention, all of our focus tonight. And so we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, so um, if you would turn with me to First Thessalonians, we're just going to start, we're going to start it up right off the bat. So chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, Silvanus, who was also Silas and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. Um, so I'm going to give you guys just a little background on uh, this letter to the Thessalonians. So this church in Thessalonica was a part. So Thessalonica was, was a city in Macedonia. And Paul, Silas, and Timothy were traveling through just sharing the gospel. So Paul, Silas, and Timothy are, are traveling through Macedonia teaching the gospel. And, so they, and they get to the city in Thessalonica. And they spend no more than a month there. Uh, if you want to read the story of this, it's in Acts chapter 17. So they spend at least three Sabbath days, which is only like three weeks, 
And they're, they're going into the synagogues, and they're preaching the gospel, and they're telling people about how Jesus is the Messiah. They're using the Old Testament to, to show people how Jesus has fulfilled these prophecies and fulfilled um, these scriptures, and how Jesus is, in fact, the Messiah, that he died for our sins, and that he rose again, right, proving that he has defeated sin and death. And so people are getting saved. Greeks are getting saved. Some Jews are getting saved. But some of the religious Jews didn't like uh, what Paul was, what Paul, Timothy, and Silas were doing there. And so what they did is they went out, they pulled some people in, and they created like a mob. And they were trying, and they forced Paul, Silas, and Timothy out of the city. So Paul, Paul um, Titus, and or Titus, Paul, Timothy, and Silas, they continue on in their journey. They go to this city called Berea, that's also in Macedonia. And then later on, he sends Timothy back to Thessalonica to check on how the church is doing because they had only spent a few weeks there. So he sends Timothy. Timothy goes, he checks out, and he finds that the church is thriving. The church is doing so incredibly well, and Paul is so encouraged at the fact that this church, that, with, that these people that he only spent a little bit of time with were thriving, and they were sharing the gospel, and they were growing, and so he writes them this letter. This is, belie- this is believed to be the first letter that Paul writes in the epistles. So it's really cool that we get to, that we get to see this and that we're going to study this book. So anyways... That's, that's kind of a background to this letter. So he says, To the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So already right off the bat, he's putting God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ on the same playing field. He's saying that they are both equal. And then he says, Grace to you and peace. Reading this, this, uh, this greeting, grace to you and peace, is a very common greeting that you see in the New Testament and the letters. And um, a lot of commentators say, this is like their little saying for it, is in order for you to experience the peace of God and the peace from God, first you have to experience the grace of God. So that's just a cool little thing to, to remember when you're reading Grace to You in Peace. Now we're going to get into the meat. And, this, and I'm so excited about this chapter. This chapter is so full of so many encouraging and challenging things. So um, we're going to get right into it. Verse 2 says... We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers. Have you ever thought, right, have you ever thought about the significance of what prayer actually is? We talk about prayer a lot. We talk about um, how prayer is important. We talk about how that is something that we can use to grow in our relationship with Christ. But I want us to just kind of take some time and and think about and talk about how significant that is. Psalms 116 verses 1 and 2 says, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy, because he inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call on him as long as I live. The psalmist is telling you that the Lord intentionally listens to your prayers. He intentionally listens to what you have to say. And I want us to just consider God, right? Consider God the creator and the sustainer of the entire universe, the almighty, all-knowing, perfect, holy God. And then consider us, right? Us, one in eight billion people, right? We've got our little problems. Think about, so I just want us to kind of think about, and this is, this is just a little exercise for us. We're just going to think about us, right? And then just think about, and, and our problems and things that we deal with. 
And then I want you to think about just our city and the things that are going on in our city. And then consider the country and all of the things and the problems and the issues that are going on in our country. And then consider the world. How much is going on in our world, right? When you think about that, you really get this sense of, man, I am super insignificant, but that is not at all what God is saying. That is not at all what the Lord says. The Lord says that you are significant enough for him to hear your prayer. It says that he inclines his ear to you. And that picture is, is somebody like leaning down and putting their ear to you so that they can hear you. God allows us to communicate with him, and that is so incredible. How incredible is it that we can communicate with God? And so many of us take that, that idea, that concept, that gift that, of prayer that God has given us for granted. A lot of us don't even spend 10 minutes a day in, in communion and communication with God through prayer. Um, and, that, and that is so convicting, man. If we, had a real, if we had a realistic understanding of ourselves and a realistic understanding of God, man, we, we would desire, right? We would want to spend as much time in prayer as we possibly can. So this, this whole idea of, of prayer and reading the Bible and going to church, these are things that, that God has really gifted us with. These are things that God has really given to us. And a lot of times we, we get this, this, this religious mindset on prayer and reading the Bible and going to church. And I'm just using those three as examples because of those, those are kind of like the big three in Christianity, right? Our mindset is, man, I have to pray more so that I can show God how much I love him. Man, I need to read my Bible more so I can prove to God that I'm like worthy of his love. Man, I need to go to church more so that I can prove to God and prove to everyone how a good Christian I am. When that, that is not at all the, the mind, and we're going to talk more about that later, but that is not at all the reason why God gave us those things. Those things are absolute gifts. Prayer is a gift that God has given us. When we pray and we come before the Father, that is us setting aside the things of this world and getting, coming before God and looking up and, and asking that God would align our hearts with his will, that he would align our desires with his desires. Prayer is an absolute gift. Um, reading the word is something where we can come and we can learn about who God is and we can learn about the truth of who God is. We have so many things that we struggle with so many issues and problems that we'd like to talk about and think about. And God has given us his word. He has given us this book that is full of truth, full of things, full of practical things, too. He's given us stories that, that we can see how God works in people's lives. He talks about redemption, and we get, to, we get to really see how much God loves us in his word. And then church, just like, just like Gabe was talking about, man, the church is given as a gift, Fellowship was given as a gift, and it's something that we get to take part in. It's something that we get to come to, and we get to experience the, the grace and the love of God through people. Man, we get to come, and we get to help each other. The Bible says that as iron sharpens iron, a friend sharpens a friend. Man, that is, that is encouraging. So I would just encourage you guys, if you have a religious mindset towards prayer or towards um, reading your Bible, any, any, kind, of, any kind of Christian quote-unquote thing, Man, get that out of there because that is, you got to think of it and understand that that is a gift from God. That is something that we get to do as Christians. Anyways, moving on. He says that, that he's constantly mentioning them in our prayers. And this is a little practical thing that I wanted to talk about. So uh, how many times are we talking to somebody, right, and they, 
and they're telling us, like, they're talking to us about some kind of trial or something, and we're like, man, I'll pray for you. And then five seconds later, you turn around and boop, it's gone. <laughs> totally forgot that you said you were going to pray with them until, right, you see them a couple days later, and they're telling you about that doctor's appointment they had, and you're like, oh, snap. God, I pray that two days ago you did that, that, that thing, right? That's the, that's the mindset that we have, right? Um, so this is, just, this is just kind of like a practical thing that I would encourage you with is, man, in those moments, if the Holy Spirit is really leading you to, to pray with somebody, just take the opportunity right there and do it. Uh, maybe, and, and I don't know if you feel like nervous or scared in, those, in, in certain situations to, to pray, but um, prayer is powerful, Prayer is very powerful. So I encourage you guys, man, have, have the boldness to pray with that person in the moment. If you really feel like God is calling you to pray for someone, man, just take the, the minute, two minutes right there and just come before God with that person in whatever situation that you're in. Uh, anyway, so now we're going into verse 3. So verse 3, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now we're going to take some time to, to break down these three things because Paul, man, the way that he wrote these things is so incredible. Work of faith, labor of love, steadfastness or patience in hope. So let's kind of break down this whole idea of work of faith. And I love how he puts these three words together. This idea of work of faith. And this reminds me a lot of James chapter 2 verses 14 through 6 or 14 through 26. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn to James chapter 2 14 through 16 and and we're going to read this. And it says, "What is good, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? And that sounds a lot like what Gabe was talking about, right? Verse 17, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Sorry, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified uh, by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? Verse 26. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. That is a powerful passage. That is a convicting passage. And this was written by James. James, the blood brother of Jesus. Right? His mom and dad were Mary and Joseph. This guy is spitting some truth at us. And in the words of, of Pastor Nick Weiss, talk is cheap. Was anyone here for that series, Talk is Cheap, when he went through James? It's very easy to say words. It's so easy to regurgitate ideas and concepts. And one of the ways that I've heard 
those people, those kinds of people um, described as, as like a mirror, right? They can, they can absorb and they can listen to all these teachings and take in this, this truth and these biblical ideologies, and then they can regurgitate that back to you, right? But all they're doing is reflecting that truth. That truth hasn't, hasn't come inside of them and been planted and sprouted. Those people, these are the people that say all the right things, but when you look at their life, there's no good fruit in their life. These people live lives that don't honor God with their actions, but they can honor God with their lips. James here is arguing that those people don't really believe the gospel. He's saying that those people don't really believe in God because when you believe in something, the reaction to belief is action. When you really believe something, the, the reaction to that belief is action. Action always comes from belief. Faith without action is dead. That is what James is saying. Faith without action is dead. When you really believe something, the way that you live your life coincides with that. And that's what he's talking about when he talks about Abraham. When Abraham took his son Isaac and he was going to kill him on the altar, right, that is some serious faith in action. Abraham, it tells us in Hebrews that Abraham really believed. So Abraham's had faith that God was going to raise Isaac from the dead because he knew that the promise was going to be fulfilled in Isaac. So when he laid his son on the altar and he was about to kill his son, he full well believed that God was going to just raise Isaac back from the dead, and bam, they were just going to continue on, on in their life. And it's incredible. So if you say you believe in God, but your life doesn't show it, then the truth is you don't really believe in God. If you say you believe in God, but your life doesn't show it, then the truth is you don't really believe in God. You may believe that God exists, right? And James covers that too. Even the demons believe that God exists, and they shudder. There's a, there's a difference, right? You've all heard it said many times that actions speak louder than words. And so I just ask you to just take a moment right now and reflect and ask yourself, what is my lifestyle telling me and telling the world what I believe? What is my lifestyle telling me and telling the world what I believe? I want you guys to write that down if you're taking notes, and I want you to think about that. Because that's the answer to whether or not you really have faith in Christ. And now he gets into this idea of labor and love. So we talked about work of faith. Now we're going to get into labor of love. And so this is where we're going to get into the heart of our actions. Because Christianity isn't just a behavior modification scheme. Okay? The Christianity isn't, you better follow these rules, and you better live right, and you better give to the poor, and you better not cuss, and you better not, what is it, drink, smoke, or chew, or run with girls that do, or guys that do. I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> that's not the idea of Christianity. The idea of Christianity isn't follow all these rules, and if you follow all these rules, then you don't go to hell. Then you go to heaven. That's not the idea at all. You want to know what Jesus has to say about that? Jesus, if you guys want to turn with me to the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, this is when things get spicy, man. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount is an absolute savage. And so we're going to read uh, chapter 5. So Matthew chapter 5, we're going to read verse 21, then we're going to skip over to 27, and then we're going to get into chapter 6. So let's just listen to what Jesus has to say about motive, okay? 
So, so uh, verse 21, he's going to talk about anger. And he says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not commit murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, Man, I love that statement. But I say to you, Jesus says, you've heard that it was said. You've heard this. You've seen this written. You've read this in the Old Testament that this is the standard. But I say to you, just showing and proving his absolute authority, that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. That's something that's on the inside, right? That's something that's in the heart. That's a motive. Going on to lust in 27, he said that you've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. You shall not commit adultery. He's saying that you should, obviously adultery meaning you shouldn't have sex with anybody that's not your wife, right? He's saying that you shouldn't do that, that physical act. But if you even look at a woman with lust, if you even look at a guy with lust in your heart, then you've already committed adultery because it's about the heart. It's about the motive. Those are two bad things, right? Murdering people and having sex with people that, aren't, that isn't your wife, those are bad things. Now, Jesus is going to get into a good thing, and he's going to talk about motive. So, so read, read with me in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. He says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. He's saying, even if you do a good thing, like giving to the poor, you can do a good thing with wrong motives. You can do a good thing with selfish ambition. You can do a good action with a sinful heart. Motive is so important. Labor of love. The motive of our good works is our outpouring of the love and grace that we have received from God. We do good works because God, because God loves us, right? And we love God. And that love that we have for God and that God has for us outpours into a love for other people. Motive. Let's read. I want to I read with you 1 John uh, chapter 4, verses 9 through 11. And it says, In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. Made manifest meaning it was proved in action. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation or the payment for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Our motive of labor and works doesn't come from a place of religious earning of God's favor, but from a place of response. I am loved and I am forgiven and I am justified in the eyes of the almighty, all-powerful, eternal God and that is our motive in doing good. It is a labor of love. 
work of faith, labor of love. Now we're going to get into steadfastness or patience in hope. This word hope in the Greek is elpis. And elpis means a strong, confident expectation. A strong, confident expectation. This isn't the kind of hope like, I hope the Bengals win the Super Bowl. Ooh. Sorry if you're a Bengals fan. Nobody should be a Bengals fan here. We're in Tucson. Um, it's not that kind of hope where you don't know what's going to happen. It's a strong, confident expectation. You know it's going to happen. We have a strong, confident, confident expectation that we are going to see Jesus face to face in all of his glory. We have a strong, confident expectation that we are going to spend eternity with him in paradise. We have a strong, confident expectation that he is going to use us in the present age to share his gospel with the world and be used as his hands and feet to the hurting and the broken. We have a strong, confident expectation that he is going to fulfill his promises. And how can we have a strong, confident expectation that he is going to do that? Because just look at his record. Look at God's record. What promise has he not fulfilled? He has fulfilled every promise that he has given. That is a part of who God is. That is part of his character. We have a strong, confident expectation in the promises of God. Hey everyone, Pastor JD here. You've been listening to a teaching from Ignition Tucson the Young Adults Ministry of Calvary Tucson. If you live in the greater Tucson area and you're between the ages of 18 to 28, we want to invite you to join us in person. We meet every Thursday evening at 6.30 p.m. at Calvary Tucson's East Campus on Speedway and Camino Seco. Come join us. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace. Down.